everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And uh, just a quick preface to everyone today. I'm going to be a little bit excited because uh, it's an honor to have this person on the podcast with me today. He's an actual mentor of mine, someone I've worked with over the course. By the time the show comes out, it'll be the course of a year. And it's been instrumental to the way that I've been changing my thinking and where really things have been going for me. Um, so without further ado, I'm just going to bring him on. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great to have you on here, man. I'm glad that you, we could actually finally do this uh, and it's been the works. So just very quickly before we get started, I want everyone to know my history with Nick because for one specific reason, I've actually known you since I was about 19 years old. I don't know if you, you're aware of this. <laughs> Uh, it's been about no, 11, no. it's been 11 years that I've known you because I started out copywriting when I was 18 and obviously the first thing you do is you look at all the local copywriters in your country and at the time you you were one of them. So I started to actually look through, uh, your stuff and you know, you kept coming up here and there. So it was never like a direct connection with you and I, but you were always in the periphery. Like there was always like, do you know who Nick James is? Yes, I know who Nick James is. Great. That's essentially how it was. <laughs> And for years, there was this, um, it wasn't to do with you. It was just an internal thing of being a young 20-something, bit of an asshole, really, where you have an egoic sense of self, which is like, I don't want to be around everyone. I don't want to be compared to them, which is great in one hand because it makes you hyper-competitive. But on the other hand, you do burn bridges if you're not careful. So I used to actually have you as one of the, you are my top 10 kill list, by the way, just so you know. Uh, and what I mean by that was every time I wrote, my whole thought was, which one of these 10 guys is writing the ad that's going to try and beat my control and how badly can I smash it so it's really hard for them to beat? And that always used to be my thought. Um, and fast forward to like years later. I, I, by the I, way, when we, when, we finish the, when we finish the recording, I want to know who the other nine are, but that's probably not for now. <laughs> the other nine, I can, I can name a few of them, but like Alan Forrest Smith was on that list as well. Um, yes. I, I, I shot for the fucking stars of that one. I went with Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham, Gary Halbert and the Halbert kids. Um, you toe cracker, John Benson. And By the way, I mean, I'm in very good. I've got a bit of imposter syndrome going on here. I'm in very good company there. I'm oh, not yeah. sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Copy wise. I'm up to scratch with those boys, but, um, no, it's a great list, man. And anyone listen to this that, wants to um, uh, master mm -hmm. the skill, the art of writing great copy, there's some names for you to check out, by the way. Definitely. And fun fact, most of these guys have ended up becoming clients of mine or, clients of mine, or friends of mine. That's the insanity of it all. It's like uh, just, just the sheer craziness of it all. But that's, that's the story we'll get into in a moment. But like, um, one of the things that really got me was I actually ended up getting reintroduced to you a couple of times by David Walsh, who's also been on the show. And at the time... I was a skeptic. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit skeptical, um, but it was Lena, David's wife. She pulled me aside and she goes, what, what's stopping you? I was like, I don't know. I've still got like that, that old 20 year old something. Me still has that. It, he hasn't got rid of that com competitive spirit. It's like, why would I go to a competitor? And it was always that thought that I had in my mind. And then, um, Lena sat me down and she goes, Adol, I know how you feel. I had very similar thoughts as well with David. What does your gut say? Sit down, meditate with me. What does your gut say? I was like, I trust David. Because of course you do. I was like, David's really never guided me wrong. 
he's always told me what to do and I consider him my big brother. It's like, if, if on anything, go by faith. Go by faith, not by sight. So I did. Signed up to Mastermind. Within two days of signing up in Mastermind, my entire fucking perception of you had changed. Like, actually, oh, wow. not, not even two days, because I signed up on the first day. Like, uh, um, at Expert Empires with Goggins. Like, um, that was the easiest sale you, you'll ever, you've ever made, by the way, just so you know, because the conversation was <laughs> me, David, and Matt, and it was, hey, oh, cool, so what are you doing? What are you getting for lunch, David? What are you getting for dinner? It's like, uh, not sure yet, I'll get back to you. Oh, hey, by the way, Matt, this is Adel. Hi, Matt, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Adel. David basically, Adel's going to be joining Six Figure Mastermind, by the way, and I'm sat there looking at David going, I'm doing what? Why are you spending my money for me? <laughs> what, what kind of shit is this? Um, next thing you know, I signed up, and literally over the course of Expert Empires, the more I got to know you, I got to sit down with you, got to talk to you again. Um, yeah, my perception shifted from competitive to collaborative to someone that I know brings so much goddamn value that I need to get them on my show and I need to like just speak highly of you because that's the truth of it. So that being said, as a very long-winded uh, introduction, what gave you the actual um, inspiration for Expert Empires more than anything? Because you had a shift with Gary Vaynerchuk that really shifted it, but I want you to tell that story to everyone else because there's so much gold in that. Yeah, sure, sure. I think, um, well, first of all, thank you for the amazing intro. Um, definitely contender for longest intro that I've ever had. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't, but that, that doesn't mean it wasn't brilliant. Um, uh, I mean, just being spoken about alongside greats like Halbert and Kennedy and people like that. And funnily enough, Alan Forrest Smith was the first, like when I was like, again, similar to you, I guess, early 20s, um, you know, bit kind of green and wet behind the ears, didn't really know. I didn't know names of people like Halbert and, and Kennedy and people like that. I, I stumbled across Alan Forrest Smith. He was the first person I ever studied. Um, so to answer your question, what was the inspiration behind Expert Empires? I, I think to answer that, also it might be worth sharing, like, you know, I started out as a copywriter, as a freelance copywriter, writing sales letters, email campaigns, marketing materials for clients. Um, but actually haven't done that, haven't provided that service. That hasn't been my business for probably eight years now. Yeah. Uh, eight, maybe even nine years. Um, you know, I kind of branched out from writing copy for clients to teaching people how to write copy for themselves to then broadening that message to teaching people how to do marketing uh, using different marketing strategies and tactics. And, and of course, now it's not even just specific marketing. It's kind of more generic. How do you grow your business? But I guess the twist on it is how do you grow your business in the space of being an expert at something, whether that's, you know, a, a copywriter or a marketing agency or whether it's um, being a coach or a consultant, or maybe you're a speaker or you run your own events or, you know, you, you host podcasts, you build your social media profile on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, like you're, you're effectively, your business is based upon your expertise. Um, and those are the kind of businesses we work with. So to actually answer your question about what the inspiration behind Expert Empires was. Um, so I've been running events, um, I've been running events on my own. My first event that I ran was in August 2009, which was my first ever Copyright and Academy seminar. 
Um, and as I said, from there, we, you know, branched out a little bit into doing uh, events on how to build a list, how to run webinars, how to run events. There's a few different subjects that I kind of um, specialised in. Um, and got, got to the point in, in 2015 where I'd actually um, teamed up and partnered with a friend of mine. We'd merged our businesses together and we were running relatively big um, business events. So, you know, we would we'd bring in well-known speakers. Um, and, and like again, being really open and real with you, um, the events were really there to make money. There was no big vision or purpose behind it other than hey we want to get as many people to come as possible and make as much money as possible um and what was interesting is that that business did ultimately fail um it didn't fail to get customers it didn't fail to make sales it failed to be profitable um and there was a few lessons in there that both of us needed around actually running a successful business that has a vision, a purpose, a mission, and, and serves the greater good. Um, so 2015, July the 7th, 2015, um, I literally went overnight from July the 6th, 2015, I am co-owner and director of a multi-seven-figure business, to July the 7th, 2015, I have nothing. Um, no money, no business, no staff, no customers, nothing. Um, and so, you know, I had to lick my wounds a little bit and start again. Around this time, I'd been following Gary Vaynerchuk for quite a while. So, um, I, you know, I've been watching his videos on YouTube um, and reading his books. And I really, really liked, not only liked his content, found him very informative, but also really liked his style and actually more what he stood for. Like what, you know, what I perceived his values his morals his ethics to be um and so you know i had this this vision this idea um that to kind of get myself back in the game and to relaunch my new business that you know we could run an event with gary as the headliner i thought you know that'd be a, a great attraction it'd be a great way to get a lot of new new customers not a new clients to come towards us um because you know gary's a big deal and was very well known and i think the the space of you know being a social media celebrity if you like has now become slightly more saturated maybe over the last few years but back then there wasn't many big names doing big things on social in the kind of business education space so um yeah i had this vision of gary being the headliner um and wanting to get him involved um and again it's it is a long story with lots of ups and downs but long story short is when he when, when I actually approached him and um, shared the concept with him, he flat out refused to do it. And the reason he refused to do it was he went, look, there's plenty of these events around that are just there to make money um, and get as many people in the room as possible and, and sell as much stuff as possible. And that isn't what I'm about. And I don't think it's what you're about either. I think it's just all you know. Um, and so effectively he said, he, he called me on my, on my bullshit and said, look, you know, um, go away, really think about what you want your vision, mission, legacy to be. You know, there was a reason why I was attracted towards him to be the headliner. Um, and I, I believe looking back, this was it. It was so I could get that message. So I could hear that from somebody that I respected. And I did just that, went away and, um, you know, built from the ground up, running much smaller workshops and events 
um, that were content value led rather than being pitch fests, um, as it were. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was actually a number of months later. In fact, I think it was, um, it was probably uh, a year later ish that I reconnected with Gary and said, Hey, you know, I, I want to revisit this conversation. I want you to come and headline the event. And, and so that was partly the inspiration for, I guess that was part of the inspiration for it being an event that was more than just make a load of money. Um, but on, on the uh, pa running parallel to this, um, I, I'd been spending a lot of time over the previous few years in the US, um, like I'm sure Adil, you have, you know, flying over the, all over the States, all over the world to learn from some of the, what I perceive to be the greatest business and marketing minds on the planet. Um, what frustrated me was that in order to learn from these guys and girls, I'd have to go to America all the time. Yep. So, you know, I, I'd spent a lot of time, a lot of money going to conferences hosted by people that you've mentioned, Dan Kennedy. I, I, I spent, um, I mean, I must have been to between um, probably 2012 and 2015, 16, I must have been to America seven, eight times to go to Dan Kennedy seminars. Um, uh, I also started going to Ryan Dice's traffic and conversion summit. I got to know Ryan fairly well through the business that I was running previously. And um, so, you know, I've been to a lot of those events and, and they just had a very different energy to anything that was being done in the UK. So the, the vision then alongside this advice that I've been given by Gary, also modeling what I'd seen at Ryan's traffic and conversion summit, which was an event that's no, I mean, literally the traffic and conversion summit is no selling from stage whatsoever. It's pure content no pitch um so like looking at all of this advice what i'd observed was working and what i wanted to recreate i created expert empires and you know when i approached gary second time round and shared the vision for it um he was in um and in uh may 2017 we ran the first expert empires event um we had i think uh, we sold uh, over 600 tickets paid tickets for that first event um and uh well here we are today kind of like early uh 2020 and we've had we've had uh, almost four thousand people through the doors uh of expert empires over the last three years i mean that's the thing that's really incredible is the fact that how big the rooms are i mean i say this as someone that actually has been there twice now um and again the only reason i'm missing the one in march is simply because i have a wedding to attend like that is the only reason I'm not be going to be able to make it is I'm going to a stag do and I've got the wedding. Um, but this is the crazy thing. So I actually haven't done this, which is insane. So just a quick shout out, 15 minutes, 17 minutes into a show, uh, which is a first for me. This show is actually sponsored by expertempires.co.uk. I mean, we're gearing up for the July event, which is in mid-July. Uh, I can't talk about who the speakers are because A, I don't actually know. And I, Nick won't tell me yet because he's still got to finish off all the paperwork. But the moment we know, all of you guys will know because obviously I'll come back and edit the show notes. But I'm going to say this. Here's, here's what I'm, I'm going to tell you. Ooh, Once listen. it's announced, you will know. Oh. <laughs> it, will, it, will, it will be a big deal. Um, so, yeah, yeah the, the, the speakers I've got for July, um, one of them in particular like you will not see in the UK or haven't seen in the UK for a long time, will not see in the UK for a long time in the future. And it's probably the only gig he's going to do this year anywhere. It's big. Oh. Um, 
God damn, Nick, you are, you just... There's, there's a teaser, right? Uh, there's a teaser, and, and, I, and I wish I could share who it is, um, but literally we have not got the contract signed, and A, legally, I shouldn't mention it, and B, I don't want to jinx it, obviously. Of course no. I mean, you've you got to wait until it's done, once the dust is settled and everything's cleared, then, then go for it. I mean, that's the way it is. Uh, sure. But God damn, that was a tease. That is a goddamn tease if I've ever had one. But guys, if you've never been to an expert empires, I don't care where you are in the world, try and make it to the UK, try and make it to London, and go to these events. And here's why I would suggest, unlike other events that I've been to over the years, this one delivers like just insane amounts of value. Like every speaker that goes on, there's not any pitching really. Like no one really goes, hey, go buy my stuff. Hey, intermission, go buy stuff. There's none of that. There's like you get an opportunity to work with people by all means, um, but reality is the content they deliver is actionable. Perfect example: Sam Rathlin, uh, who again we've had on the show. When I went to Last Expert, Last Expert Empires in November, I think it was. Um, Sam was there. She was speaking. I. I haven't been, I've got her book and stuff. It's amazing. But her work on LinkedIn has took me from, uh, if you do the social selling index, which I'll put the link to as you'll hear in Sam's podcast, that went up from top 25% in my industry to top 2% in four weeks of wow. just listening to her advice, like reading her book. And I still haven't finished my profile, which is really, really stupid, but we're doing that. Uh, it's how we do things. But that's the crazy thing. Nick recruits the right people into the room. And this is what I was going to say to you, and I really want to like congratulate you on this one, is it's insane how consistently that room is filled. Because there's, what, four or 500 delegates at a time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what I'd say is, uh, so I appreciate that. And, you know, it is um, not easy. Anyone that's no. run or hosted events yourself, um, you'll know how challenging um, filling rooms is. And um, yeah, we, you know, we, we are, we've got a kind of, we've got a system, we know how to do it, um, which works. And um, we consistently get, as you say, five, four, 500. Um, that number has been, it spikes at certain events when we've had very big, well-known speakers. Um, you know, so when we had Grant Cardone, for example, that was the first time we'd ever done anything in the UK. We had a big spike then. Um, I expect us to get another big spike in July with the speakers we've got lined up for that one. Um, and, uh, you know, but still, uh, like you say, I mean, you know, we get, I guess it's not just consistently getting the numbers. Um, it's, it's also, it's quality, not quantity. So, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a free or very low cost ticket. We try and make the tickets as affordable as we can, but also, you know, the people that show up, have invested a decent amount of money to be there. So, you know, you know that the people that you're going to connect with and, and meet up with and potentially even partner with at the event are serious, which I think for me, the a great event, uh, and this is definitely, you know, why I go to America to Traffic and Conversion Summit and to other events like that. Um, a great event isn't really just about the people that you're learning from on stage. It's also the people that you're connecting with in the room. Yeah. Um, and in, you know, and and not just in the room, you know, in the restaurant, in the bar, in the you know, the, the networking opportunities at the event, and that's that's again for me, that's a big part of what yeah. Expert Empires is all about and the vision for it going forward. That's one of the things I actually love is the amount of people that you meet there. And trust me, it's really hard not to be able to do do business with people that you just connect with because there's a huge number of people. The delegates are literally there 
like you to take their stuff forward. And you would be surprised the partnerships that come out of it, the friendships that come out of it. Hell, I became friends with someone like Matt Hughes, a great guy. I had known him for about four months prior to coming to my first EE event, uh, Expert Empires event. That guy's one of my closest friends now. We literally go to almost every event together. We just happen to be in the same room. And if we're not there, we text the other one going, how come you're not here right now? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, we'll call each other out on it. Now, my question for you realistically here is, what are some of the key factors, if you are running events, that you need to be aware of to actually make them right? It doesn't have to be a huge 500-person event. It could be something as small as, say, a 20-person event or even a 10-person event. What are the key factors you need to put in place in order to make it a, quote-unquote, successful event? Yeah, well, I think, I think first and foremost, defining success is important because it depends what the the vision, the purpose of the event is. So, you know, like you just mentioned, a couple of different models right there. So, you know, Expert Empires is anything between 400 and 800 people at each event. Um, success to us as a company looks like making sure we get a certain number of people to attend. Um, so selling a certain number of tickets, getting a certain number to show up, that's success. Um, obviously, um, also, there's a commercial aspect to it as well. So we go, look, you know, we want to achieve you know, X amount of profit from the event. Um, but it might be that you use a completely different model. There's nothing wrong with an event that's very free, that's free or very low cost um, to serve and, and provide a load of value and also to showcase your products and services. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a different model. So you've got to work out what success looks like in the first place before you get started. Um, and you mentioned, you know, it could be 500 people, it could be 20 people. Um, and my advice for anyone who's not run events before and is, is wanting to get into that space, my advice is very simple. Think big and start small. Um, because, like, try, I can't tell you how many people I've seen try and try to do the big show with no experience and fail. Um, and it can be a very painful and very expensive lesson if you're not careful. There's... It's a, look, the, the truth is, it's a lot harder than it looks. You know, in, in 2009, on my first ever event, we had eight people in the room. Um, the biggest event we've run so far to date um, was last June. We had, uh, we sold over 1,400 tickets. Um, but we had to start with eight in the room, which was low risk. You know, like, it, it wouldn't have mattered if we'd have sold three or four places or if we'd have sold 20 or 30 places. It was low risk. Um, because, you know, small room, venue cost was low, didn't spend a load on marketing, didn't have a big team of people to run it. It was like just me, really, and I had somebody come and just support me. So it was like a real low-cost, low-risk event, and that's where I suggest you start. Um, you know, and, and if success to you uh, involves sales of products and services that you might offer at the event, then you've got to factor that in. That's, that's a consideration. Um, if, if success looks like a certain amount of revenue pulled in from ticket sales to cover your costs. That's another consideration. Of course, you got to look at what the costs of running the event are, what the risks are. Um, so I think you've got, you've got to put all of that into a melting pot in order to work out what's the ideal model for you. Um, but the best advice I could give you would be to think big and start small um, rather than try and rush to recreate expert empires or any other traffic and conversion summit, you know, that Ryan Dice hosts in the States or try and, try and replicate something like that from scratch. I mean, yeah. you know, I know Ryan 
well. And, you know, he started traffic and conversion summit. I think this is the 10th year or the 11th year. Um, so like he would have started that in like 2009, 2010, something like that. Um, and I think the first one they did had like a couple of hundred people. They're, they're expecting more than 10,000 people there at the next one um, at the end of March. So like, you know, it, it takes time to build. Um, so I think think big, start small is the best advice I could give. And just consider some of those key components that I shared, um, costs, risks, revenue sources, you know, I mean, one of the costs, of course, or the risks that we haven't really spoken about, you know, is, is speaker fees. I would suggest if you're just getting started with events, I wouldn't go for a speaker, a headline speaker. I'd, I'd work out how to get 10 or 20 people in the room without that. And then when you add it into the mix, when you've been able to get 10 or 20 in the room without one, you could probably get 100 plus with one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it takes time to really master the model and learn what works and what doesn't work. Agreed. I mean, it's something that I've, uh, cause I've thought about doing my own small events here and there and everywhere. But like the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a lot of work. And my brain is like, I'm not at the point that I want to run them yet. Like I, I could, but no, like I've got too many other factors that I've got to get sought out beforehand. And that's something you've got to be yeah. aware of. And you've, and you've got the opportunity costs. So like if you're, yeah. if you're, like maybe someone's listening to this and they're interested or keen to get into the event space. Like, for example, when we do an expert empires, I mean, look, obviously we're, we're at a stage now where we've got lots of different projects, lots of different events running all the time. Um, so we, we did, uh, last year, 2019, we, we ran, um, almost 200 training days across the, the course of the year. So we've got events happening all the time, but when you're like, when I look back, you know, we used to run, um, like you know four events a year and that was it um compared which is small compared to what we do now and you know when i used to run four events a year literally i'd spend three months at a time putting all of our sales and marketing resource into filling that event which basically means um I, there was no opportunity that was my core business i didn't have anything i couldn't do anything else so you know if you're like a deal you're you're uh, you know a, a copywriter and that's you know you, you've got a bunch of clients and that's how you make your income or if you want to run an event great but know that you're probably gonna have to um say no to some projects or um you know politely say to existing clients i'm not gonna be able to do anything for you for the next few months if you're gonna make it a success trying to do that on top of what you're already doing is just setting yourself up for failure you really are i mean it's it's, it's the old adage where you take on too much and then you overload and burn out it's it's not well. Or end up doing or end up doing like too much stuff and then do none of those things very well. So you end up not serving your existing clients. You end up not pulling in any new clients, and you end up not selling as, enough tickets to your event. And then you've you you know you've you've failed on all counts, rather than going all in on the thing that you're really good at and winning at that. Now, to me, I gradually built up the skill that events have over time become the thing the one thing that I am most skilled at, like I'm most skilled at marketing campaigns that fill the room, at running them, at you know, utilizing my contacts to get world-class speakers, delivering from stage. This is what I've built you know, over the last 10, 11 years. I've built the skill set in all those different areas to be able to be world-class at doing events. Um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a multi-disciplined um, approach 
to be really good at doing events and, and one that you shouldn't dive into too soon would be my advice. Yeah, I mean, you've got to build up the skill to it. It's kind of the whole idea of whenever I talk to people about writing copy is just to like show you guys another way of looking at this. I teach people how to write sales letters first more than anything else. And the question I always yeah. routinely get is, why are you teaching? Because I have a system for, for writing copy that has generated like well over $700 million at this point in the last 12 years. I mean, the system works. Like, the process is just incredible. And I, get, I still get asked to this day, why do I not teach email marketing right away? And the reason is simple. I can teach you email marketing, but it's going to be pointless until you understand how to write sales letters because there's yeah. so aspects and sales letters that go into emails. And it's going to be like, if I teach you emails and then you go to learn sales letters, what you're going to find is um, you'll get it, but then you're going to argue with yourself a lot going, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Why would I go there? And it's like, I'd rather not go down that pathway, understand how to write sales letters first, then go to emails, and then everything else kind of like falls into place. Or is that like Listen, from, a, from a copy point of view, once you can write a sales letter, you're done. You can do anything. That you, you can write any copy for any email or any ad or any campaign that you need. Yep. Um, yep. And, and, you know, same when I was running copywriting training events, which is, I haven't done one for years now. I think the last one was 2013. Um, uh, that's exactly how we taught it. It was, it was a workshop designed to train you to write a sales letter knowing that the side effect, if you like, of doing that was that you'd be able to write any other form of copy you could ever do because you could write a sales letter. Because that's, exactly. the, that's the hardest thing to really master when it comes to copy. You've done that, you've done it all. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, definitely a, a plug for your training here. You. you know, anyone that wants to master writing copy for whatever reason, um, learn how to write a sales letter first. Exactly. And then just, know, just know that everything else will follow that. Yeah, exactly. If you guys want to do that, there's a link, as always, on my website that you guys can go check out or, you know, just visit adelmarcy.com and you'll see it. Now, one of the questions I do want to ask you, because it's one of my favorite questions specifically, that I know will get requested if I don't ask this, and that is the idea of how do you actually get in touch with people that are at a few steps ahead of you? Like, for instance, if you wanted to get in touch with a Gary Vaynerchuk or a David Goggins or a name whoever, even a Pete Vargas or anything like that, how do you yeah. get in touch with those people uh, if, not exactly you're not starting out, but Let's just say you're a six-figure income, you're hitting like, you know, high five, low six, and you really want to just get into these people's worlds. You want to surround yourself with them. How do you do that? How do you reach out to them? Yeah, I mean, there's, look, there's so many different ways. And I think um, the first, the first, it's not a tip really, but the first piece of advice I could give is make a decision and commit that that is something that you're gonna invest time, effort, money, resource in. Like if it is, if it isn't, that's fine, but you can't do it half-assed. You've gotta do it or not do it. And I, I realized very early on in my journey that one of the things that I'm best at, most skilled at, is building those relationships. And actually, one of the things that I was fortunate enough to be able to fall back on was a lot of those relationships, even when I started in 2009. So we didn't mention this, and Adil, you'll know this, but many people listening might not. Um, I've been around the personal development, um, self-improvement world since I was a kid. 
I, I was literally raised on personal development seminars and events. So, you know, I, I attended my first Tony Robbins seminar when I was 12. Yeah. Um, so what, what that meant was, you know, when I, when I started, um, when I started the copywriting business in 2009, um, well, it was actually 2008. I started the copywriting business. The first event was 2009. Um, I'd got like years and years of contacts under my belt and they formed some of those formed people that gave me advice, people that I joint ventured with people that referred people that became clients, like because I built up those, those relationships to the point where I could shoot somebody a text or pick up the phone or go have, have a, you know, meet them up for a, meet up with them for a drink or a, you know, a coffee or whatever. So there was, there, there was those relationships already built. And so since that's what got me started, I've never stopped doing it. I've, I've always continued to invest time, money, resource in building those relationships um, because it's never, it's never failed me to this day. Um, you know, and that said, so here's some, here's some ideas, here's some things that I did. Um, I mean, number one, I've told you just be in the, be around, put yourself in the environment consistently. So, you know, I, I spent my entire, all my teenage years, literally traveling all over the world, attending Tony Robbins seminars, um, which might sound crazy. So my mum was a trainer for Tony's organization. So, you know, she asked me if I wanted to go and I'm like, Hey, why not get to travel the world? And, you know, we went to the States, we went to Australia, went to Malaysia, all over Europe. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had that upbringing. Um, but man, I made the most of it because I, I would build relationships, which still to this day are, I'm profiting from those relationships still to this day. And by the way, that wasn't why I created the relationships back then. I just yeah. did it because I wanted to, and I knew that there'd be value somewhere for us to work together in the future. Um, because you like making so, friends, like you're we're very yeah, similar cool. in that sense. Like we like hanging yeah. out with people. Yeah, exactly. So I think putting yourself in the environment consistently is key. Um, and you know, like having a commitment to do that whenever the opportunity arises and invest in the time and the money. That's, that's definitely the first thing I'd say. Um, second thing, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. I mean, Adil, obviously you know this, but I think many people listening would be pleasantly surprised if you were to just reach out to, you know, as you said, Adil, you know, maybe a, a handful of people that you would like to connect with, that you admire, you aspire to be like, you know, maybe they're a few steps further forward on the journey than you are at the moment. Um, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised if you were to reach out to those people and ask to interview them for your podcast or interview them for you know a live video on facebook or whatever you know whatever platform you prefer or you know one of the things that i did way back so before you know facebook and social media or podcasts even became a thing really um you know was i do like webinars joint webinars with people and just i just invite them and say hey you know i'd love to interview you and have you share your your knowledge your wisdom your philosophy with my audience and they more often than not they'd say yes so i think you can um just by asking the question um will open doors and i think you'd be pleasantly surprised how many do say yes and what's the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is someone says no um which you know like nothing gain nothing venture nothing gain right so i think it's worth asking the question and and see how you can um you know how you might be able to approach and ask for some form of connection again you know uh, uh, offering to interview 
for a podcast or, or a video or a webinar or something like that um, tends to tends to be a good way to get started. Now, are you going to be able to, you know, call up Gary Vaynerchuk and speak to him and ask that question? Probably not. Um, but, you know, when you think about maybe people that are a few steps further forward than you are on the journey, then they're, they're far more accessible. Um, and when I look back at who I connected with, joint ventured with in the early days, you know, I didn't joint venture with Grant Cardone um, in my first year or two in business. It was many years later that I got to the stage where I could join venture with Grant Cardone. But, you know, when you're starting out, it's people that are maybe just a few steps further forward on the journey than you. And so ask yourself, where are those people likely to be accessible? What events could you attend um, that, what events could you attend where you might be able to get around in front of, connect with those people? Um, which is why I spent so much time, effort and money traveling all over the world attending these events. It was to build those relationships. Um, I mean, you know, so I suppose, you know, partnering and interviewing would be one uh, way of doing that. Another, you know, I mean, look, you asked me how I've managed to partner with some of the names that we've mentioned here. Like, I know it sounds a bit, a bit crass, but like money goes a long way. So, you know, I, I have spent, invested a lot of money. Um, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll then leverage that. So, you know, I'll pay Grant or Gary or Goggins or whoever a speaking fee to come to London and speak at Expert Empires. But of course, by virtue of doing that, I also get to interview them. I also get to get, you know, um, to align with their personal brand. I get to advertise to their audience um, and have my event be uh, become known to that audience and my personal brand become known to that audience when it might not have been before, probably wouldn't have been before. Um, you know, I, I get to, so I, get, I can leverage that opportunity. I get to speak to them personally and, and get introductions to other speakers that might be a good fit for me. So, you know, I've, I've done that a lot as well. Um, so I think, I think, you know, finding a way, I mean, effectively, you know, obviously I'm an events uh, promoter. So, you know, speak, paying them to speak at our events is probably our primary way of collaborating with these big names now. Um, but you might not be in the event space, just become a great client of someone. I mean, you know, you've asked me to be a guest on this podcast. You joined my mastermind group. You, you know, I don't, you didn't ask me to be a guest on your podcast before you joined our mastermind. Um, if you had, who knows, maybe I would have said yes, maybe I would have said no, but you're a mastermind member. You invest in working with me. I'm not going to say no to being a guest on your podcast. Um, you know, so I think also just being a client and being a good client of somebody will get you closer to them. I've got a lot of examples in my early days of being, you know, investing large sums of money in coaching, mentoring, mastermind groups, attending, um, you know, premium high ticket events with certain people that I wanted to collaborate with and then using, I was, effectively I was paying for access to them and then leveraging that access into a partnership, a relationship, a joint venture of some description. Exactly. And it's one of the cool things that very few people really understand. And just to add on to the whole, like being a good client of that person, become a great case study for them. Mm. Like when you become a great, a great case study for them, what are the odds they're not going to approach you and say, Hey, I really love what you're doing. Can you do like a training for our group? Can you do this? And then over time you build up a friendship, a relationship, and then you can actually 
it builds up to a lot more. You actually help each other out throughout the way. Um, I've done yeah. this with one of my juniors. I'd, I'd summarize this. I'd summarize this whole section um, about collaborating with people that are maybe a few steps further forward than you are on the journey. There's there's one blanket piece of advice that will cover all of it. Find a way to add value to them. How do you, how can you find a way to make it a win win? Whether that's you know everything I've mentioned, um, interviewing them, get, giving them a platform to share their knowledge, their expertise. Um, it could be becoming a client, of course, investing money with them. That's a win for them and a win for you. Um, you know, there, there's so many different ways you can create value. One of the things that I did in the early days as well was um, become a, an affiliate for that person's products and services. So you know, actually say to them, "Hey, I, I'd I'd love to promote your." product, service, event, whatever it might be, to my audience, you know, my social media, followers, friends, connections, um, my, my email list, if you've got one, my audience, you know, like providing um, or becoming an affiliate, again, it, it just moves you closer to them. So the question you want to ask yourself is, how can I possibly find a win-win here, something that provides value to them so that in turn, we start to build a relationship and maybe down the line, there'll be some value for me as well. Yeah, exactly. It's it's such an incredible way and just a great mindset to have. Now, one of the things I definitely want to ask you, uh, simply because of timing and stuff, you're an avid reader like I am. Um, I, I know you go through books quite a bit and also audiobooks from time to time. My question is, if you had to pick five books to recommend to people listening to the show, and it, this, these are just five books that you'd say, look, you want to get good at business, you want to get good at marketing, here are five books or even self-development as well, we'll add that in. There are five books I'd recommend you read. What five books would they be? Oh, good question. And um, by the way, I'm, I'm going to caveat this first. So, you, you know, you said I'm an avid reader, um, which is, is true and not true. Um, it's something I've started talking about a little bit more recently. Um, I, don't, I don't actually read very much, very often. Um, and the reason that I've started talking about that is because I think that like in – I say our world, you know, personal development, business growth. Yeah, you know, we're all striving to be more, have more, do more. Um, it's seen as like, you know, you've got to read. Reading good, not reading bad. And, and actually, you know, I don't really read. And the reason I'm sharing this is because maybe you listen to this and you just don't vibe with reading books. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's cool if that's not um, who you are. In fact, again, it was something that I became okay with and comfortable with the more I studied Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he, he actually says that he's written more books than he's read. Um, so, you know, which, which I think tells the story of its own. So, so I'm not a big reader. However, um, I have read books and I do read certain books. I listen to a lot of audio books. That's how I not, I like to consume content because, you know, I can use time when I'm driving to and from the gym or to and from the office, that time I can use, to learn and to get information that's really going to help me in, in various different areas of life into my head without having to take time out of my day to sit and read. So I'm not a big reader of books, but I'm a big consumer of books, I suppose would be a good way of putting it. So to come and answer your question, and I think the key, by the way, is to work out what's your best or your preferred way of learning yeah. and then go all in on that. Um, because I just know that if I try and find more time to read it it's going to be an uphill struggle whereas if i can embrace the free time i've already got by listening to audiobooks makes it a lot easier 
So anyway, that said, I'm going to reel off a few um, since you asked the question. So um, I've probably got to list the first ever book I read that started me on this journey. Um, you know, and I was a kid, I think I was probably 11 or 12. Um, and my mum gave me a copy of a book called Notes from a Friend by Tony Robbins. Um, just a great introductory book to, again, I, th I think if you're listening to this and maybe, you know, you're very early on your journey to self-discovery, to personal development, to um, exploring um, opportunities that might be available to you, it's a great book. Um, also, I'd say if you've got people in your life that you feel might benefit from um, exploring a different philosophy, a different way of living, whether that's running a business or, or, or you know, just using their mind um, and managing their, their mindset, their emotions differently. I think Notes from a Friend is a great book. It's little. I read it from cover to cover in a couple of hours. It's really short, um, but a great introduction, I guess, to this world. So, um, yeah, Notes from a Friend, Tony Robbins. Um, what else? I'm going to try and give you a variety if I can. Um, so other great books. Um, one, it's, it's very rare that I stumble across having been in this world, you know, um, since I was 12, um, you know, that's 25 years I've been in this world, um, of kind of personal development and, and business growth and all these sort of things. Um, it's rare that I find anything that's genuinely groundbreaking, original and different. Um, and so I'm going to recommend probably the greatest book I've ever consumed, didn't read it, listened to it, um, when it comes to mindset. And that's uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Without a doubt. I, and, I will and, get the audio book, not the, not the physical. Yeah. And of course, Adil, you know, that's, you know, David Goggins was the headline speaker at the event that kind of attracted you to, I know you've been kind of following my stuff for a while, but actually attracted you to come to Expert Empires. Um, so yeah, great, great book. Um, one that, you know, I don't think will ever see you wrong when it comes, when it comes to mindset and mental, emotional toughness and uh, like, and strength, it's, it's the best book I've ever read or listened to, I should say. Um, uh, Gary V jab, 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 right hook. Great book when it comes to understanding the mentality of marketing of building relationships of serving and selling um just a great book so i i did read that one i'd highly recommend that um i tell you what what's great I, again another one that i read uh, a number of years ago now um this is really for anyone who wants to build a company like you don't just want to be what I'd call self-employed. There's a difference in my mind between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur, being a CEO, being a business owner, different. Um, so, you know, anyone that wants to graduate beyond self-employed um, into being a CEO, uh, owning a business um, that you may either choose to exit and sell or maybe just that doesn't revolve around you doing everything all the time. Um, and that's a book called Built to Sell by John Warrillow. 
really, really good book. Really good book. Um, yeah. Um, and one more. I like to try and give variety where I can. So I'm thinking one more that I really like. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something that's not similar to any of those. Um, I mean, I suppose in in the spirit of this interview, we got to go for the ultimate sales letter by Dan Kennedy, really. Yeah. So DK's again, again, it's for 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 copy for you know th- this is like for the proper copywriting geek, like you say, someone that really wants to master that skill, that art. You know, for me, Kennedy. You know, I, I know everyone's got their favourites, but you know, for me, Kennedy's the greatest. You know, he—he he was the person that really got me into it in the first place. So, you know, um, I think anything that he's written is great. Agreed. Could not agree more. And one of the things that I would want to touch upon—I'm um, going to be doing a special show uh, in July, or not in July, in August, where I'm actually going to be reeling off like some of the biggest thing Dan Candy has actually ever taught. And the reason I'm doing this in uh, in August is because I've actually got about three of his three students of his, including one of his former copywriters coming on to really share it. But the big one that really shifted for me and um, something I want everyone to listen to and really take a, a take note of is not only read what Dan Candy teaches, but look at how he conducts himself. Because how he conducts himself is congruent with what he teaches, but more specifically, the man is a genius at creating attraction marketing for you. And yes. that, that that's the thing I'd, I'd look at that. Now, I, I love your book choice. What, what, I love, what, I love about what I love about Kennedy's stuff, which I'll, I'll just tag on to what you said, is that um, the philosophy, like you say, of attraction marketing um, has always been true and will always be true. How you execute it will change. You know, social media platforms change, but the philosophies that he teaches will stand, have stood and will stand the test of time, regardless of the Facebook algorithm or the next big platform whatever that might be like you know the, the the principles he teaches worked you know like you know in direct mail and direct response advertising in newspapers you know decades ago and still worked through the kind of google revolution and still works this day on social media it's you know it's just the platforms change the principles don't yeah and that's a very powerful quote in its own right so i'd want you guys to write that down because it was one. It was so groundbreaking when um, I think it was 2010 or something like that. Facebook was really starting to take off the way it was. Everyone and their mothers and brothers, you can see courses come out, different types of Facebook advertising. Um, and one of the greatest things I ever had was from Marianne Trilby, and she said, uh, "Tributo was um, it doesn't matter what the medium is, the principles will always be the same." Yep. So, so that was just hitting a nail on the head of that. And something I really want to ask you as well uh, to do with, yeah, my brain is just completely blanked for a second. Screw it, I'll ask you another question and then it'll come back to me. And the question I really wanted to ask you was like when life, and we've discussed this privately, but I really want people to hear this out because it happens far too often and it doesn't get spoken about enough in my opinion. And that is when life kicks you in the nuts. Life will kick you in the nuts inevitably. It always does. It's part of what we do. But the way that you do it is uh, the recovery. It's how long you spend on the ground, the fetal position before you decide to get back up again. So my question to you is whenever life has kicked you in the nuts, left you on the ground wondering, can I get up one more time? What is it that you used to do that got you back on your feet? And what is it that you do today 
that keeps you going. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to give you an answer that you've not heard from me before. Um, and I've probably never really given before because the, the way that you found the question, my mind went somewhere else, which is, you know, when life kicks you in the nuts, what do you do? Um, and I suppose maybe just give you an insight inside my brain is I, I don't believe that life kicks you in the nuts. Mm -hmm. Only, only you can kick yourself in the nuts. Let me, let me explain what I mean. You create, this is not easy to take by the way, or, or listen to or hear. Um, but I truly believe it that you create everything in your life, good and bad. So regardless of, you know, it'd be easy for me to go, oh, you know, that, that external factor kicked me in the nuts. So like, you know, somebody could go, oh, you know, like my um, Facebook ads account got shut down. That's life kicking me in the nuts, right? right? I go, well, maybe, but also you're the one that chose to advertise on Facebook. You're the one that chose to put too much emphasis on that platform which meant when your ad account got shut down, it screwed your business. That isn't life kicking you in the nuts. That's you making a dumbass decision in the first place to invest all of your time and attention and money in one platform. Um, so I think the, I guess the principle I'm talking about here is taking full responsibility for anything and everything that happens in your life. That is hard to accept. Um, and very few people will ever completely own it. Um, and I think, like, I can't, by the way, I can't actually prove that this is factually true. Um, and I suppose in many respects it isn't. It's like, hey, do, are you really responsible for each and everything that happens in your life? Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. What I do know is that when you believe that and you live as if it's true, it makes everything else a hell of a lot easier. Because then when life kicks you in the nuts, as you say, really you realize that you created it, which means this, you can create the answer or the solution as well. I agree with that 100%. Something, if, something ex, if something external to blame kicks you in the nuts, then it's, it's easy for you to just feel sorry for yourself and blame something else. Um, so I, I think, first of all, just the way that you think about those things um, will impact on your ability to deal with them, positively or not. Um, that said, answering your question, what, what did I used to do? Um, and what do I do now? I think... I think the one thing that I've always done and still do to this day um, is I've always, it's funny, it's, it's almost like the, the two things sound complete opposite, but they're not. I've always sought wisdom and advice externally from people that I respect. Mm -hmm. And I've always also trusted my own intuition which they're, they're like completely opposite ends of the spectrum, but I've, I've always done both of those things. It's like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm humble enough to know that I don't have all the answers, but I'm also arrogant enough to think that I'll back myself if I believe I've got the answer. That's and I think, I think actually those two extremes really help because it's like, look, I'm, I've got, I've got to accept that I haven't got all the answers, you know, and so I will go to others. For, and by the way, different people for different things. So, you know, uh, like if it's a, um, you know, a, a, a people 
or team or personnel issue, um, which, you know, uh, as I've grown companies and I've got more and more staff is invariably the case. Then I've got certain people that I really respect the opinion of that I'll go to with that. If it's a, you know, um, sales or finance issue, then I might go to somebody else who's got experience in that field for advice and for input. And, and, you know, I'll bounce off them and ask questions and see what they think. And this is why I've always had coaches, mentors, been part of mastermind groups myself, still am to this day. Um, but I'll also then, once I've taken on all of the different, and I'll also look for different perspectives. So there'll be, there'll be somebody I'll go to. I don't just find people that I know are going to um, agree with or reinforce my current thinking. I'll go to people that I've got that I know are going to challenge my thinking and give me a different perspective. Um, and then I'll take all of that. So I'll, I'll do both. I'll, I'll find people that are on each end of that. And then I'll then sit and make the decision based upon all that information and go all in and back myself on that decision, which is, it's, I, I suppose it's the combination of logic and intuition and genius. Yeah. It's a very strange mix, but it's one of those things that you really got to have. And I actually agree with you on the balance more than anything else, just to like track back for a second. You, you got to have that. And that is, I think, what I believe is the key essence of a good entrepreneur in my books is someone that is, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not the smartest one at everything, but I'm confidently arrogant enough to double down on myself to go, I'm going to go do this and just work through it. Which yeah. is brilliant. Now, guys, I want you to all go ahead and mark off your calendar for July 17th and 18th, 2020, which is lovely. I want you guys to get a ticket at expertempires.co.uk. Go on over there. If they have a wait list, which they should do at this point, um, if not, keep refreshing until they do. Trust me, you want to put your name and contact details down. There's always a great deal initially to um, just, just, there's always something. There's always something brilliant that happens at Expert Empires. I'm not going to spoil any surprises for you guys. Go check it out, and I'll tell you this much. The moment it gets announced, I will go ahead and put it on this channel I will go ahead and put it on another episode that references this episode. I will basically plaster it everywhere so you guys have that satisfaction of knowing who's going to be speaking. But most importantly, I want you to attend. And I'm going to be there. The reason I want you to attend is Expert Empires will definitely shift your perspective because they, it's always going to be a thing. It could be the same thing you picked up 20 different seminars ago. But for some reason, it makes more sense at Expert Empires. No idea why Nick does a fabulous job of doing it. It works. Second, well, one of the other reasons is, obviously, I'm going to be there. If I'm there, come speak to me. Come say hi. I'm really friendly to talk to. Nick's really friendly to talk to. Everyone there is fun to talk to. You're going to have a great time. And probably my favorite reason of actually being there and inviting you to go is because if you are even remotely serious, even 10% serious about really becoming the expert that you know you could be, building a business, being around the right people, you can look for a better room. And if, you can, if you're in the UK and you don't want to fly to the US and spend thousands of pounds or dollars going there and having to do everything else, guess what, just go down to London. Come down to London, go to Expert Empires, I guarantee it, you'll have probably one of the best, best few days of your year and you'll walk away with so much strategy that you know exactly what to put in place. And I can, I will guarantee that. So with that being said, Nick, thank you for doing today's episode, man. Really, really, really happy we got to do this. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. I'm pleased we did too. And uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me on and uh, having me share the message with your 
with your audience, with your community, I'm always very humbled to be given the opportunity to share. For sure. And of course, in the future, I hope to get you back on. Guys, please make sure you rate, share, subscribe, and review the show. It helps us actually bring in more people as well, which is excellent and widen our reach. Uh, and as always, have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. I'll see you next Friday. Take care.